I'm liking the blue sky above you. It's really complimentary. <laughs> <laughs> How are you this evening? I'm good. How about you? How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good, good, good. Oh, Chumatima. Oh, Chumatima me. Podcast, a podcast about culture and cultural nomad designed for blacks and Asians. I'm your host, Mosibo, Nigerian born, US educated, Korean speaking, struggling to lecture. Mental health is a topic today. As an African or as a Nigerian, is such an issue that I think it's becoming more and more relevant every day. And it's not as bad as it used to be before, in that we don't get to really talk about it. Well, today on the show, I have someone who has really explored that in details through their creative processes, which I'll get into. Um, I met them through a friend, Loretta. Thank you, Loretta, for making the setup. And I actually heard him first before meeting him. But um, let's get started on introducing him. So his name is Ayakunle Falomo. Um, he's Nigerian. He's also a TEDx speaker. He's American as well. He's the winner of the 2018 Stacey Doris Memorial Award and the author of a book called Kindred and Thread. This word we even must. As a poet, his singular mission is to use his pen as a shovel to unearth those things that make us human. See that? He and his work have been featured in print, both locally in the Houston Magazine, in Glass Mountain, and online, New York Times, Houston Chronicle, Houston Public Media. I mean, he's everywhere. And we can talk more about finding him later. But join me in welcoming Mr. Ayakuni Falamon to the podcast. Hello, Mr. Ayo. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Good, good, good. Hi again, hi again. So tell us more, just a little bit more about you. Okay. Well, usually whenever I get asked that question, I usually start from the fact that I am Nigerian. That's the start of my story. Uh, and then I moved here like uh, about 10 years ago now uh, when I was 17 with my dad. Yeah. 
So, really, since then, it's been, you know, school, 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 if you're Nigerian. <laughs> you know what that life is like. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, up until, like, maybe two two years ago, really. Uh, and now I work as a school psychologist, and I also do poetry. Oh, very good. So, I know from your background, you studied psychology somewhere. Was it um, Sam Houston State University? Yeah, I got my. I went to grad school uh, for school psychology uh, at Sam Houston. Yes, mm-hmm. and my undergrad was in psychology as well from uh, University of Houston. Okay, good. Why psychology first? Ah, that's uh, <laughs> that's a hard question. Uh, but I think I've always just kind of been fascinated. Uh, it's interesting because I actually like maybe a few hours ago I just made a post uh, on Instagram, uh, and there is this caption like on my on my photo that has human on it and like that's been my mission since like 2013 but even more so like i've just been very very interested from a young age uh about like what it means to be a human being yeah. and i think that's kind of what led me to psychology and it's also the same thing uh that's led me to poetry it's just like trying to figure out what does it actually mean to be a human being and the, like what influences our behaviors, what makes us act the way we do, yeah. uh, can we change our behavior, stuff like that. So, yeah. When you do find that final answer to what it takes to be human, please let us know about that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> let's go back a, thank you. Let's go back a little bit in time. So, you moved here when you were 17. Right. Just it was one of the hardest things for you to adjust to, and why do you think that was? Ooh, uh, like for me, I was a weird uh, kid, so very much weird. Uh, are we all? Well, I came here, <laughs> uh, thankfully, right? Yeah. Uh, I came here and I, like, I honestly thought that I was going to go back in like six months. Mm. Why? I, I just, I don't know. I came here and I was like, hey, this is America? Like, <laughs> this is uh, America. Yeah, right? <laughs> I just kind of had that, uh, that reaction. Uh, even when my dad was like, oh, we're going to, because he won the visa lottery. Oh, I see. And, was like, oh, we're going to America now. I just wasn't really all that, like, moved or, like, you know, like, excited. I was just like, yeah, okay, I guess. the Like, so adjustment for me was, wasn't was really hard because also I was, uh, I came to Houston, which, <laughs> which had yeah. a number of, like, Nigerian people yeah. here. You just moved to Nigeria. And you left Nigeria and moved to Nigeria. That was all you Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but I think, well, yeah, so that part wasn't really hard. Uh, but the part that was hard was like having to learn, I guess, about Nigeria here. Yeah. Uh, was interesting because a lot of things that I did not know while I was in Nigeria, I got the chance to learn while I was here. Uh, a lot of things that we weren't taught in school, yeah. and having to find out, you know, when you're all kind of grown up. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little interesting. It is uh, so interesting. That, that's kind of been the toughest uh, part of it for me. Yeah. Um, and I want to assume that it's almost like when you step out of the house and you start hearing about your family members from somebody else outside of the house. Right. Wait, what? I didn't get that memo. So I'm assuming it's like maybe like the history of the country, why we suck at some things, like a lack of certain infrastructure. Was that? Are there some examples of things you learned outside of Nigeria? It, it was, I mean, Nigeria has always, always had uh, its issues, yeah. uh, but like we didn't really know the, well, for me personally, I didn't know the depth of it because I didn't, number one, I didn't really care, you know, like my 
dad would read newspapers like every every morning really uh and i just it was you went to school you came back home you played football like coming here and having to find out really for the first time that i was black that too <laughs> that too like i don't know i had an identity crisis when i was labeled black minority person of color because you're yeah. never described that way in nigeria so i was like wait does it make it does it make me any less than i am you know exactly i, I did so, ride on that gravy train for a while because i was like i'm not i'm black but then i'm not black black <laughs> yeah yeah so that 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 can be an issue uh, and i'm still kind of processing a lot of my work really yeah. these days is about processing what that you know what that actually means yeah. uh yeah yeah so yeah yeah, well, uh, well, good, good luck with that. Okay. <laughs> well, speaking of which, how often do you go back, go back to Nigeria? And have you visited? So it's been ten years. I haven't gone back. Wow, uh, you're in for yeah. a reverse cultural shock. Yeah, I, a lot of it has been too because it's like, ooh, I'm not ready, and all my family, well, my immediate family members are here now. I'm not that that close with my extended family, so it's like, eh, I don't really know. I've always said, like, if I go back, it'll be like I have something to offer the country. That's what uh, I said, too, yeah. I feel you on that. That's what I had to, I told myself. It had to be meaningful, not just going and, and just exactly. pick up. Exactly. Perhaps your poetry can take you there. Someone can, like, you know, hear about you and invite would, you over. And That would be really good. Actually, the, the new manuscript that I'm working on, yeah. so i get the chance. When I say, like, uh, a lot of the work I've been doing lately has been mm-hmm. trying to, like, you figure out what it actually means to be yeah, Nigerian. Yeah. Um, like, as being about that, and going back to even, like, pre-colonial uh, time, uh, you know, yeah, it's real intense work. Uh, but, like, I'm hoping, you know, if the manuscript does get picked up by some publisher, like, it'll be, like, a real joy to have it actually taught in Nigerian schools. So well, that would be good. So if anyone is listening to this, you should check out um, Mr. Ayakone Falamo's work. It'd be a very good yeah, asset to have so, I beg, if you have publisher connection, please. Uh, I, I like how you just looking there. I beg, like the Nigerian. I beg, just please link make, <laughs> make you connect me. Or I am a helper. We'll, we'll send the word out. So probably somebody can be listening to this. Well, good, good. So now let's go back to your creative process. So one of the things Ayo does very well is poetry, and he, to me, what poetry is realistic to me are those that explore humanity, especially from a standpoint of vulnerability, like strangers. How the process of being human and just how sometimes the quirks that come with that from what i know about you you've you've battled some you know mental health issues like depression um before right. we go into how that has formed like the base of your work which i think is very beautiful because from something as um life-changing or as as impactful as depression you've found we found a way to kind of like carve your story out of that just in a quick you know sentence or two what was that like for you because i remember you said in your your interview with my friend was yours lasted for a very long time it wasn't just you know bouts of sadness it was a prolonged one what was that like for you just in a few words and actually it's still like it's not something that completely goes away yeah, uh so very even even now you know there there are being you know uh faces of that um just actually maybe about coming out of like one phase of it uh most recently um but it's i think it's typically well for me i realize it's tied to worth trying to do something meaningful in the world and whenever that doesn't quite you know get there uh there yeah there is a lot of there's a lot of battle uh with that uh mostly tied to my work uh, as a school psychologist uh, i do question myself a lot about the work i'm actually doing yeah so yeah, that 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 contributes majorly to it. And of like, 
I'm always overwhelmed uh, with just life in general. Uh, so that kind of does show up in that way. But it's pretty much tied to worth the constant like questioning uh, of if I am doing what I'm actually supposed to be doing. Yeah. Uh, and also like the exhaustion that comes with that. Uh, and also, you know, for me, at least like loss of appetite because I'm always kind of just like focusing on the future uh, so much. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it's tiring. <laughs> wow, thanks for sharing that. And I do definitely agree with you. Like, depression is not something that really like goes away because I feel like once you've been touched by it in whatever degree, it kind of stays with you. But what kind of changes is just your ability to identify it and then right. you know um, do stuff? Because I I have intermittent bouts of um, depression as well, and um, I don't know how it was like for you finding out that you were really depressed. I was in a long state of denial long long because i like no i'm type a yeah. i'm an extrovert yeah. i'm i'm a people person i couldn't yeah. be depressed and the signs were all there even the because i'm also a pharmacist my knowledge about the idea because if i was talking to a patient i probably have been able to see that but i exactly. see that in myself because it was like exactly. but it was one summer in 2013 and i was home like almost all summer i couldn't get out of bed i had like crying spells even when i tried talking myself out of it it got worse i think with the, the thing with depression is that you you see yourself in a different light because you tend to compare your present state to what you were just like before mm-hmm. that thing happened and yes mm-hmm. it's tied to your self-worth it's tied, tied to um just what you think you can offer the world and so mm-hmm. when i when i started thinking about suicide not in a very active way the shame of just having thought about it that even crippled it and i tell right. people i understand why people might want to commit suicide because it's not as if you're trying to hurt yourself you don't seem as self-harm you see that's just taking yourself away out of like, the misery yeah. exactly like yeah. even not just for you and for me that i was more of a like i knew how to take care of people more than i could take care of myself it was more of taking away the like a like a herd mentality like you're the weakest of the group why not just take yourself away so that the group can be healthy it became like you know it was for them and not for me you know yeah and and it wasn't until a friend his name is Aya, by the way he's a psychiatrist What's up, Aya Debayo? He writes mostly on depression and mental health issues. And I subscribed to his blog. And he, he had a screen on one of his um, blogs. I clicked on it. I was like, eh, let's just look at it. And I did all the questions. You wouldn't believe. The, the result was, um, stop whatever you're doing. You need to call the suicide hotline. I was like, is that my result? Like, it can't be, right? And yeah. it was like, you know what? Let me just call the nurse. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to stay on the phone until you come to the clinic. You sound really bad, girl. And so I, you know, I got I got dressed up and I, and I, you know, went to counseling and, you know, it's been what, five years of managing off and on. So, but right. for you, what was it like and how were you able to come to that? Was it through like a, a professional diagnosis or how were you able to come to that terms that you so, uh, it, It's still weird. You talk about denial, right? Oh. Uh, and I'm still kind of in a state of denial. <laughs> uh, but uh, thankfully, I haven't really had like any suicidal ideation or like any attempts or, you know, um, so thankfully, I know uh, for some people is it's much more worse, you know, they think about that like every single day. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, every now and then, you know, there is a the thought of like, you know, what if I'm not here? Yeah. Uh, it's not it's not like a suicidal um, ideation in the sense of like constantly thinking about that. Yeah. For me, grad school, well, it kind of started in like 2010. Um, uh about to get into uh, undergrad. And I think one of the reasons why I actually got into psychology <laughs> was probably, you know, me trying to, like, figure out what was going on um, with me. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I took up normal psychology, and I was like, oh, I have that, I have that, I have that. 
you know, it's like, yeah, you kind of diagnose yourself with every single yeah. <laughs> mental illness in the in the DSM. Uh, but so like going through that, and it, this wasn't really like a conscious thing. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, going through grad school. Grad school was really really tough. Tell me about uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, like self worth is like amplified. It you is. question it a is. lot. It is. It is. <laughs> I'm like at an all time high. Especially when you're like the only uh, person of color in the program, uh, it's like ah, this is a fluke. No, they just they just got me here because I'm the only to person the, of to fill the color wheel. Exactly. Imposter syndrome. I, yep. I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. No, it's a lie. It's not a merit. Yeah. Uh, yeah all of that. Yeah. Uh, so, like all of that got compounded, and of course, like I was studying to be a school psychologist. Yeah. Us, uh, so, you know, we're learning about different types of disorders and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so like, and now my job, I I can, you know, I can, <laughs> I can recognize uh, depression in kids and all of that, you know, and I could quote unquote diagnose it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so like, of course, uh, I can look at the symptoms in myself too. And mirror that out. Yeah. I have not been clinically like diagnosed. Yeah. Uh, it's like I I know <laughs> I like I do know. Uh, and I've been saying for a long time that I would, you know, take a bold step and get that done and also like start seeing a therapist is actually on my wall. One of my goals, uh, for this year was to see a therapist twice. You haven't gone oh, to see a therapist before. I have not. I have really? not. Wow. 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 <laughs> I don't yeah. know how you managed to, cause I, I started going to a therapist in 2013. I- so for those that are listening, when we talk about depression, don't think of it like a one-size-fits-all approach, because it, it comes in different ways. So our experiences are just going to be born out of experiences. Do not, you know, generalize them beyond, you know, Ayo's experience or my experience. And I was in grad school too when, you know, mine peaked. And grad school is such a heavily productive um, bubble where your your worth as a grad student is is based on how much you can produce. So right. papers, um, um, publications. Um, projects you can complete and then it got to a time when I just couldn't do all of that and I don't know how you are Aya, but I suffer from perfectionism where things were either black or white there were no gray areas to explore yeah and yeah. I remember when I was when I was still in, in in high school or college one of the things I used to put on my resume then as a skill was perfectionist like it became mm. a badge you had to like it was something you were proud of but it, yeah. through therapy I was able to find out okay that can be useful for some things but as a whole it's crippling because you yeah. tend to explore gray areas, you're putting yourself up for. So my work were sometimes half finished because I don't, I didn't think it was perfect enough, and yeah. so it took me a while to like write my master's thesis. Like I couldn't even type stuff out. My professor was like, "There's something going on with you. Like your work has been shoddy of it. Is there anything you're not you're going through that you wouldn't that you would like to talk to me about?" And I just started almost crying in her office. I was like, you know what? I don't really understand what you're going through. But if you do need to go seek help, I think you should go see a counselor. And hearing my professor say that to me, because we had never crossed that boundary, that really right. encouraged me to seek help and, I mean, to kind of pursue that line of inquiry. And it really helped me also understand myself that even this perfectionism, it hasn't gone. But I do know how to identify it. And I try not to cripple me. Because it's something that, it's it's a thing, it's two sides to it. I can use it to produce quality work. But I shouldn't let, you know, perfection of a process stunt my, you know, my creativity. So now I have, what I just have now is, is a level of awareness about just who I am and all the bits and pieces that makes me. Some of these things haven't gone away. I'm just working, I'm just floating on a different level of awareness. And I do tend to identify the symptoms quickly. Another thing we don't really talk about is 
when we talk about depression symptoms, we talk about when things don't go well first. Another thing I've had to um, cope with was success. Like when I <laughs> when I eventually succeed at something, Gosh, sometimes yeah. it's even worse for me. Like I get depressed about accomplishing stuff because they're gonna be like, "What's charming to you?" And now they're laughing. I'm, I'm I'm thinking you also go through that. So can you tell us more about that? So my uh, second book, Kindred, is actually all about fear, right? Oh, yeah. uh, so like in connection to family, that's where the dread part comes. Oh, like play. keen and then dread. Get it. Yeah. Uh, and, but we realized, well, from what I realized, uh, a lot of the things that I'm scared of have a lot to do with <laughs> my family, you know, how I was raised and stuff like that. And a lot of that is cultural too, you yeah. know. Um, and I'm, I'm talking culture in the sense of, like, I'm Nigerian. Nigerian, yeah. I got so, you. yes, I think failure does give you the opportunity to kind of learn and grow. Hmm. Success, I fear that there will be a day when I'll just peak and there is no place to go hmm. beyond that. That's it. Uh, That's and it. also, too, like, it's hard trying to navigate that because it's like, then there comes that thought of, like, do I deserve this? Which is, like, a really terrible thing to, like, think about. The, this concept of like deserving something mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. none of us actually deserve anything but <laughs> like, to, to now start questioning yourself do i deserve this and then of course you put yourself on the chopping block and you start you know asking questions like oh well you didn't do this you didn't do that yeah. uh you did this but it's not as good as this person yeah Ooh, yeah it just it's terrible uh and then of course the question of like ah Maybe you are the only person who submitted. Maybe I that's know, why you won. I know. <laughs> Don't let it get to you too much. You know that special... Failure is like, yeah, everyone knows you fail. Like, ha, yeah. no big deal. <laughs> like, like you already thought of yourself as a failure before. So it's like, ah, yeah. no big deal. Like, we all knew it. This is all... This is this is what we knew all along. Like, you're yeah. terrible. Man, all it's right. a whole, whole another rabbit hole. Another thing for me too, like I do feel with success, I do feel very isolated, uh, yeah. especially because a lot of the times I'm like the first person uh, doing whatever it is yeah. in my circle of yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, and so it feels very isolating because it's like, yeah, quote unquote, you're making way for other people who are going to come after you. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's like nobody can actually relate and then it's like ah what if people think um like pompous or like prideful or whatever the case might be yeah uh and it's like ah it's it's hard to navigate you know it's hard to navigate because it's like you're alone there uh and yeah Yeah. questioning what people are thinking like uh, you know like that kind of mentality like is it is it just you must you be I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I mean, I mean, spot on. I think the most depressed I've ever been was when I just had all my ducks in a row. I mean, when people just say, oh, she's got her stuff together and she's accomplished this and that. It's because you think you finally got into that place where you're happy. And uh-huh. people, because people expect you to be happy because, oh, you got that grant. You've published this number of publications this year. You should be happy. But then you're just as miserable as you've ever been. Okay. Even worse because, so I had to find out why. Why that was never enough? Why accomplishing stuff was never enough? Why there was just that bottomless pit inside of me that always wanted more and more? And when people are so happy for you, but your your present disposition doesn't match what you see on their faces, yeah. and they even feel worse off for it because you can't even talk to people about what you're feeling because they wouldn't get it. Like, how can you be sad when you're this successful? I'm like, okay. So that was one of the things therapy helped me explore. 
like uh with with just success and that's kind of what prompted me to like write this book too like i started noticing in my life like people were not actually giving me the opportunity like they were not actually letting me like be be a human being uh that's yeah because like, it. it's like ah no like you you have issues like no <laughs> you, you're you not allowed to have issues you're not allowed to complain you're not allowed to be sad like it was all these stipulations pretty, i mean they didn't say that but they didn't have to say that yeah for you to realize that that's what they're saying you know when people like when people come to you to talk about their problems right and you listen and you give advice and then it's like my turn and they're like wait what well, no yeah yeah exactly I, exactly that's so true, though. So let's, I, I think the takeaway from this um, little discussion here is that let us allow others to be human. Exactly. I remember when I opened up to a, a member of my family that I was having some anxiety and, you know, depression. They looked at me like, I'm just fucking And I would say that in English. It's like, you're a child of God. Why are you this? Have you prayed enough? And so yeah. I never, I never, I never, I never talked to them again about, you know, that issue. Yeah. And because it made me also think about, like, was I not having faith enough? Was I not being more of a Christian? Like, why was I going through this? So, what just, uh, like, exacerbates the, <laughs> the issue, right? It just makes it worse. It yeah. does, it does. And I see religion, especially in our cultural context, as a cure and as a, as a curse. Because in that, some people use religion as a way of coping with, you know, all of the health issues, like mental health issues, like going to church is more like a coping mechanism, which, you know, there's a, there's a space for that, you know, that, that's a good thing. That this is something positive. But I also see the dark side of it in that we're quick to just tell people, pray about this so it goes away. Like Jesus says you shouldn't be anxious for anything. Then if you're being anxious, they're not following Jesus's word. So as a whole, I mean, what do you think about that cultural um, aspect of mental health issues, especially as it concerns us, us as Nigerians? Uh, well, so, like, for that, I, I think more conversations about it, for sure, like, it's necessary. And the way, just, I mean, even even in any culture, even in American, Western culture, yeah. there is still, like, an issue that we still kind of have to talk about mental health in the same way we talk about physical health. Very true. You know, like, it's, it's, a, it's not just a Nigerian thing. It's more pervasive, of course. Uh, but even in the American, Western uh, culture... There is still a lot of issues, uh, you know, understanding, you know, mental mental health and mental illness. Yeah. Uh, and the the way I kind of think about it, well, the way I like to explain it is the fact that just the same way you would kind of talk to or treat or talk about or consider like a cancer patient is the same way you should be talking or considering someone who has anxiety or depression. Yeah bipolar disorder or whatever the case might be uh because like yeah as much care as you would give to someone who's actually having you know uh something happening to the cells in their bodies like i mean it's we're talking about the brain here it is. In, it is. Uh, yeah and that's part of your body too it is, it is the body because healthy mind healthy body like is that more yeah. body connection thing i think what makes yeah. it really um a little bit scary is that maybe for some of these diseases we mentioned like cancer or diabetes they have objective markers so if you have diabetes for example they want to check your a1c level to see how well your blood sugar is doing or not if you have cancer there are objective markers you can use but with depression and mental health issues they're not like physical signs we can like anchor like oh you're doing better or not it's very subjective so we tend to put it in another class of its own but i think and i do strongly believe that it requires 
just the same attention. Like you won't tell someone that has um asthma, for example, to go run like you know, and was just having a, an asthma attack to go run like, run like a five mile run while they were you know under that kind of attack. Then why would right. you expect someone that is you know in the throes of depression to be functional and to be themselves when they haven't like really taken care of what's going on? Right, and in most cases too, like uh, even though they're are in quote unquote like objective markers, right? Yeah. Uh, there is still like if people would do like EKG or whatever the case might be. Yeah. Uh, like you, I, and even even if you don't do that, like there is research to show that you know the, the changes, yeah. level of, like serotonin, for example, yeah. uh, in the in the brain uh, or in the body, um, you know, like is affected whether or not you have uh, you have depression for for instance. Yeah. Uh, and you can actually feel that in your body too. You and you have other other symptoms like you know loss of appetite, uh, yeah, stuff like that. It reduces your cap- capability to actually work and be productive. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Very true. I made that example because those things you mentioned about you know like depression, for example, when you can look at your brain scans and see how your brain changes with time and all that. Those those can be explained away by other things. Like if you're on other medications as well, or if you're doing sure. certain other things. So it's not like very well um, acceptable. Like you can't use that as, for example, uh, a case in, in court. Like, oh, their brain chemistry changed. Something else could have happened. Maybe they were born with that kind of brain. But I, I do get what you mean. I do get what you mean. And so for those that are Christians listening to this, um, I'm a Christian as well. I, I believe in Jesus Christ. And I don't really, I don't feel ashamed talking about my experience with depression because I found it very useful in connecting with other people. I think that's a church or whatever um, religious sect you believe in. And I'm talking about this particularly with Christians because that's the only faith I've, you know, ascribed to ever. Is I think we should talk about mental health as more often as much as we talk about other health conditions because it, it's, it's very important. And there should be a space for that in churches as well for people to explore mentality, maybe through small groups maybe through the pastor talking about it but you have right. to add to that mr Ayo. no uh, perfect <laughs> okay. yeah now let's go to the um Guy section of the podcast welcome to the Guy section of the podcast mr Ayo. tell us about your day and what made it okay actually i've been having like rough days it's towards the end of the school year so there's a lot to do talk talk about perfectionism right uh, I have reports that I do have to write, and literally, like, I'm like crossing eyes and like dotting T's. No, that's no, wrong. Crossing T's <laughs> and dotting eyes. Yeah, but I get it's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you you understand what I'm trying yeah, to say. I do. Uh, but yeah, it's literally been that. Like things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. That's what I've been spending my time doing. Uh-huh. Like making sure the uh, table aligns properly. Making sure the indentation of the paragraph is like, yeah, nobody cares, but Ayo does. Ayo does. So it's been a lot of that. But uh, today I was able to actually get some stuff done and sent and finished, wrapped up uh, for work, which was good. Uh, So I look forward to more days like that. Oh, that's good. So unlike you, I explore therapy. So what do you think? What do you think has really helped you cope with, you know, mental health issues? Seeing that you haven't yet yet to explore therapy. Uh, it's a lot of like behavior management because I do, you know, I do recognize it. Uh, so it like some of the CBT techniques that I would, you know, share with uh, people uh, are some of the things that I do. Uh, and part of the reason why I haven't really gone to therapy is because I feel like they're probably going to tell me some of the things that I already do anyways. Yeah. And <laughs> I kind of always joke that I'll probably be sitting down there and the person is going to be saying stuff and I'm like, oh, I see what you did there. 
<laughs> so who's who's gonna be the shrink to the shrink in a way? Well, some of us don't have that luxury of being that um, put together. To I mean, I can I can I know my problems. I know the issue of my problems. But sometimes I do need somebody talking to me about it. And I think, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I think it would be very beneficial, but a lot of it, if I'm being honest, has been like fear. I've been just so scared. Yeah. Yeah. I think what broke my walls because I didn't, I didn't really want to go to therapy because I felt like I wasn't ready to exercise those demons inside me. Uh-huh. <laughs> that sounded very morbid. And you know, just the whole sitting down talking to a stranger, I just didn't want to explore that. But when I walked into the person's office, and I want to say this to her, she wasn't Nigerian, she wasn't, she was, you know, way, 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 you know, off that neighborhood of being Nigerian, she was as white as anything, and, <laughs> but she was like, she looked at me, she was like, where are you from? I'm like, Nigerian, she now said, wow, it must have taken you a lot to come here, and it just broke me down, I just started crying, because she got it, she was culturally sensitive, even though she wasn't culturally competent to know everything about Nigeria, but she, she knew that there was that part of me that probably want to be here because you know we don't talk about mental health issues right. and we explored that and she gained my trust and i because i told myself i was just going to go there just because but anyways um so i just told myself i was just going to be that one visit and that was it because i wasn't going to go there anymore like who does therapy therapy just for the weak people um four years in county I, I still go every now and then and now i just treat it like a place i want to go not because i have to go there but because i want to go because some things just come up and i've learned to understand myself better i've learned to be less miserable to myself and those around me and therapy has helped me unlock some certain part of me that I probably wouldn't have been able to explore myself and I'm very open about it it's I'm not I'm not ashamed of it I've, I've been to therapy and I'm still in therapy like I go every now and then and I talk to my you know my therapist she's we're very good friends we talk about so many things at this point I think I should even stop paying her because <laughs> 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 we've, we've really explored a lot one day one day I will uh, oh, yeah. one day for I've, sure I've done it all I have done group therapy I've done you know um just one-on-one so if you're not very if you don't want to be very intimate and this is just to the people listening if you don't feel like you're ready for that intimacy with the one-on-one because your therapy there has to be a fit with your therapist right if you feel right. like they're not they don't have your interest at heart you need to find somebody else and we always forget that it's not as much as what they can do for you but also what you can help them do for you so if you feel like you don't trust this person or the kind of advice i was dishing out to you or they're not even listening to you at all they're just trying to watch out for your hour and then kick you out of the door find somebody else you know, and I've done group therapy. I found group therapy sometimes. I end up being the therapist in the group therapy. So it wasn't really helpful for me because I needed help for my own issues. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, but for those listening, if you if you think you need therapy, like just explore it. Even if it's just a one-time thing, just do it. And depression is, is not something, you know, that you should be shameful to have. Or whatever health, mental health issues you have. And I think there's a statistic along that line about, you know, that there's one in, one in five or one in one in four people that, are, that have depression. That's one yeah. more. Like, if you put, like, five of your friends there and you consider me your friend that's one more right there like that's this is me putting my face out there someone that is you know i haven't struggled i still keep struggling with it it comes up every now and then and i found ways to be creative about it and i found ways to open about it if you read my blog i talk about that openly and just how even though it's it's been something that's affected me a lot but it's also something that has helped me be a better person you know for myself so yeah those listening i hope you do consider just giving yourself a, a shot to you know find out why i think that was one thing therapy helped me find out why i was you know certain way um about your book let's talk about your book a little bit can you talk us a, tell us a little bit about it and why we should be very interested because i did go to your website and i see there's even a special invitation to unlock like maybe go into the wonderful world of nanny and then you know go more like why should we what's what's the brave about your book so uh there so it's it's like uh like i said like i'm a poet uh, but it's a memoir really uh because there's a lot 
of stories and stuff about about my family, my immediate yeah. family. Yeah. Uh, trying to explore and stuff like that. And, you know, just kind of like doing that work of like going back to see where something started, like you yeah. said. Uh, like yeah. what made what made me this way? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and who screwed so, me up? <laughs> Was you, it your mom right, or dad? Right? What, what messed <laughs> up? Uh, but like in there, there are worksheets actually that you can actually do, uh, and most of them were just for me, like stuff that I have done for my, like I have done the work for myself, and I kind of wanted to give an opportunity for people uh, to do the work as well. Um, you know, to kind of figure out, you know, what whatever it is that they come up with about their family, about themselves. And it's been really fascinating because a lot of people, like, are coming across stuff that they've never thought of before. Yeah. Uh, and stuff that they've been, you know, like, resisting for a long time. Yeah. Um, and now they're just like, okay, <laughs> now I have nowhere to run. Uh, you know, you pick up a book of poems and you think it's going to be fun, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's you like, no, you're actually going to be working. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I, I, I really don't care uh, for any reader who's like, oh, I'm going to pick up this book uh, mm, to read poems. Like, ha, ha, ha. No. Like, <laughs> that's you. Like, this book definitely is not for you. Uh, when I was writing it, I was like, if it's going to be only three people who are going to be serious about actually work, like, my job is, like, done. And so far, it's more than three people. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like people who are actually interested in digging deep into themselves and figuring out, like you know, uh, how to kind of alleviate their fears um, and to kind of take that next step towards courage. Like fear is never completely gonna go away, but we can choose each day to be more courageous than we were yesterday. And I'm the same path uh, with as many people as are willing to take that journey. Uh, Very yeah. good. Very good. It sounds more like self-authoring. I don't know if you've done that by Jordan Peterson. That process kind of sounds, because it does your present, your past, and your future self. And what you want to be five years from now, and it explores you. And I do definitely agree with you know going back. I think that was the most difficult thing for me to do. So when I went back home, I had to do a lot of reconciliation and talk therapy. But if I hadn't gone to therapy to like explore just why like the process that were interrupted in my development and why you know i, I do things certain ways i think we view going back as a way of just it's, it's very scary to like you know go back and dig into your past because one people might look at you like why not just forget about it and move on but sometimes it isn't much as moving on but you do want to move on eventually because that's why you're doing that but you also want to know why moving on should be more of a permanent process and not something you vacillate between you know back and forth so yeah i do i do definitely connect with that and i'm sure a lot of us will connect with that yeah so and I, I don't i don't think the past because we talk about the past as if like it's a static thing or we mostly talk about history and like time as if it's you know uh past uh present future and yeah. these are like three independent things but like yeah. that's not completely true it's, uh yeah. Uh, like we're talking about the past, the past literally just happened right now. Like exactly, you know exactly. What I mean? uh, well, we're also in the present, but like the future is about to happen, like in a second from now. Uh, and if we think about it that way, like all these things affect, you know, whatever it is that we're trying to be right now. Yeah. So really, the work of digging into the past is actually doing the work of now. 
it's very dynamic it's not like you said it's not static it's not like well it's the past because there's so many things you do right now and not just because of you it's due to you know things you picked up your environmental factors your right. family dynamics so you just need to explore that not because you're trying to open you know um some secrets which sometimes you might stumble upon but you also want to understand yourself because if you don't some things if you don't check them out it, the whole cycle of whatever you're going through just keeps going you know, and then it around over and over yeah, it, yeah. Does. it does it does so and I'm, i haven't talked about that yet i it's one of my podcast episodes about just finding myself and going back home and sitting down with my parents and finding out which one of them screwed me up just kidding but i have to sit down <laughs> and talk to my parents and find out about the story so yeah. um so on depression people dear listeners um on depression like i said this, this is me hoping that you always choose life when your thought processes no longer sound like your own and when the reflection you see in the mirror looks more like a caricature than the actual you don't think you're alone that nobody understands you i hope that a new day will done tomorrow you'll be there with me to practice your purpose over and over again that you choose life you'll find ways to be gentle with yourself to be compassionate to yourself that you remember to remind yourself that you are always going to be enough not for what you can do not for who you can be or what not for what you can provide to people that just because you are and that every step you're taking right now even if it's by just listening to this podcast or calling a friend maybe making an appointment to see a therapist you're making that significant move towards the right path and um I hope that you would always remember that, you know, there's always someone like that out there. If you want to talk more about this or if you're curious about how the process has been like for me, just email me. I'm, I'm very open. I can send it to my blog or even have a conversation with you about that. You shouldn't suffer alone in depression. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It, um, are there any final words you have, Mr. Ayo, before we... Um, I do not have any final words. Uh, it, it's been fun uh, just talking to you throughout this uh, past hour. Uh, oh, so. thank you. Yeah, you said pretty much everything, yeah. Thank you, thank you. And where can people find you? If because I want them to also help you, like with your book and all that. Uh, the best place, or as far as like the website for the book, uh, would be www.kindredbook.com. Uh, and the Kindred is K-I-N-D-R-E-A-D. So kind read if you if you. Uh, I like that point you throw out there. It could be kindred, it could be kind read, it could be yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want it to be. Uh, but kindredbook.com. Uh, and just if you type my name, like, um, yeah, I'm all over the place. Yeah, all over. <laughs> and I did that. I, do you Google yourself, by the way, Mr. Ayo? We can be having a totally different conversation. <laughs> I do Google myself every Whoa, now. who does that? Just kidding. <laughs> it's me. I do that. <laughs> just kidding. Just question kidding. is the question is who doesn't? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I... Well, um, everyone, thanks for listening. We've talked a lot about mental health issues and just you know how to explore that and just what that is like and also how that can affect your creative process but not in a way that cripples you once you have an understanding of it i brought mr ayo um a poet who's also nigerian and an american and we talked a lot about just what it has been like for him well thank you so much mr ayo Falamo, for you know bringing your story on board thanks for sharing a little bit more about yourself with us and um it's been my pleasure being your host tonight certainly been a pleasure as well uh, yes well, um, that was a show, everyone. Um, catch you on another episode of the Mossible Podcast. I remain your host, Mossible. All right. Have a wonderful night, rest, Mr. Ayon. I really, really appreciate you coming back. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. I've gone to many places with a lonely heart. 
I'm longing for a place where I can be apart I'm here in my own house but home seems so far I've tried to cut the distance but it feels so far Sometimes my mama's house don't feel like home Sometimes my baby's arms don't feel like home Sometimes with my friends I feel alone Sometimes I feel alone Everybody says don't change but how will I grow? I'm scared to do the things I want but people don't know I want that faith and I don't know say the things go hard oh Some days I want to run away I don't go lie Baby's arms don't feel like home. So-